Hello to all in the Facebook world of social media on a Tuesday afternoon. This is Bill Allen talking to you live, if you're watching live, uh, from downtown Tyler in the West Irwin Church of Christ. It's nice to know that uh, you are out there and that you will be watching either live or a little bit later on. All of these sessions, as you know, begin on my Facebook page at 3 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then they stay there, of course, and then are also shared on our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages and West Irwin Live also, and also on our live stream page at westirwin.com. Uh, and Irwin is with an E, as in the street in downtown Tyler, West Irwin, E-R-W-I-N. Com. We have a, a live streaming page, and uh, on it you'll see a video archive page, and that's where you'll be able to find these recordings. I've got sermons on there, previous worship services, previous Facebook lessons, lots and lots of stuff uh, that you can look at and review and would love to get your feedback on. Hope it helps. Hope it helps. Uh, this week we're looking, we're reading through the book of Exodus still, and uh, looking at the life of Moses as he leads the people of God through the wilderness. We remember that uh, Moses' life is divided up into three stages of 40 years each. Uh, the first 40 years being raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter after his mother and father saved him. And he was able to be raised by his mother as the, daughter of Pharaoh, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter who found him and uh, raised him as her own. Uh, but then at age 40, he uh, decided, as the book of Hebrews tells us, that it's better to face rejection with the people of God than to enjoy the treasures and pleasures of sin just for a while. And so Moses made that choice, and it caused him to have to flee uh, to the area of uh, Midian, east of the Sinai Peninsula. And he was there for 40 years until finally he was uh, confronted by God, uh, who spoke to him through that burning bush and asked and told him to uh, go back to Pharaoh, back to Egypt, and tell him to let, God says, let my people go. And uh, after a bunch of excuses, as we have seen last week, uh, Moses uh, agreed to do it and went, and with his brother Aaron, confronted Pharaoh and challenged him. We saw those ten plagues, and we walked with them across the dry ground, uh, the riverbed of the Red Sea, and, uh, and then the Egyptians uh, were destroyed. And uh, that wonderful song of celebration that Moses leads and Miriam leads, and the Israelites are, have, have great rejoicing as God has delivered them. And so now we're at about Exodus chapter 15 or so, and we're looking at what happens next. And what happens next is uh, God continues to lead his people. And so now we're just getting started on that last 40-year stretch of Moses' life when he is leading the children of Israel through what we call the wilderness wanderings. And uh, we'll find out uh, not very long from now exactly why it was 40 years and why they couldn't go straight to the Jordan River and cross over and take the land. Uh, and we'll get there. We certainly will. For now, though, we're, we're seeing some great stories. We're seeing the children of Israel go uh, through the wilderness, go to Mount Sinai, and, uh, and be there where Moses goes up the mountain 
and receives the law of God and specifically the Ten Commandments. And we also see their faithful sin. And we see the faithful sin of a couple of the priests, sons of Aaron, Moses' brother. And that's what we're going to be discussing on Thursday. But today I want us to talk a little bit about this journey and a little bit about what they do along the way. Because what they do along the way is they build this incredible worship, temporary worship place, a tent of meeting uh, that is called the tabernacle. Solomon ultimately will build a temple uh, for uh, worshiping God. But that's, uh, that's a while down the line still. That's probably about five or 600 years away. Solomon living sometime around 900, 950 BC, and Moses living about 1450 or so. And so now we see this time where uh, Moses is there and he's leading the people through uh, the wilderness and through the desert. And it doesn't take long for the people to start grumbling. We've already seen it. When they are there at the Red Sea and they see the Egyptian army coming and, and ready to attack them and, and force them to go back to Egypt or kill them there, the Israelites grumble and whine and God leads them through the Red Sea. And so now we're on the other side and the grumbling continues because now we're in the wilderness. And we have nothing to eat or drink. And that's when God sends that kind of strange type of bread, manna, which comes from a, a, a question that the Israelites asked when they first saw it, and that is, what is it? Uh, it's manna, and it's uh, some kind of grain that they would be able to eat and survive. And God provided that. Every morning when they got up, uh, just like the dew, uh, there was manna, and every family was told to go out and gather all they needed, but only for one day. And with the exception being the day before the Sabbath. On Fridays, they would go out, and they would collect for two days because they were not to do any kind of work, do any kind of effort on the Sabbath. Uh, interesting thing about the manna, if they tried to get more than what they needed on each day, uh, it spoiled and it was un unedible. Uh, and if, uh, if they didn't have enough and they tried to go out and gather more on the Sabbath, then they were to be excluded uh, from the community. So it was, uh, it was an important thing. And of course, then the Israelites whine because they're saying, we're sick of this food. We're sick of this manna. And so God also provides quail uh, for them. And, uh, and they're able to eat meat as well. And, and then the Israelites grumble, we're dying of thirst. We don't have any water. And so God has Moses uh, get water from a rock in a very miraculous way, once again demonstrating Moses' leadership and blessing from God. But it all comes about because of the Israelites' uh, lack of trust uh, and uh, quick on the trigger to whine and complain uh, to, uh, to Moses and therefore to God. Ultimately, one of those pots of manna uh, is kept for the ages. God instructs Moses to save a pot of the manna that never spoiled and once they have built the Ark of the Covenant, it's one of the things that is supposed to go in that big box overlaid with gold um, that is called the Ark of the Covenant. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Ultimately, according to Hebrews chapter 9, there were three things that were found in that box, in that Ark. Uh, one of them was the pot of manna that never uh, uh, spoiled, 
Another was uh, Aaron's rod, his staff, that budded, as we're going to find out in just a little bit. Aaron is called to be the priestly family. And some of the other families who were descendants of Levi didn't like that very much. And so there's a uh, God proves that Aaron is the one that he has chosen by having um, a, a bloom show up on Aaron's rod, his staff, which is unbelievable. And yet God does that. That's also in there. And then also the Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone uh, that Moses uh, kept. He broke the first set. We're going to talk about that on Thursday. But then he had another set, went back up the mountain another 40 days and was able to have the things that he needed. All of this is happening on this incredible journey uh, to Sinai. And, uh, and, and along the way, as I said, there is this, this building of the tabernacle. If you like details, man, this reading is for you. <laughs> if you like uh, the, uh, uh, the fixer-upper shows and the DIY shows and all of that, this reading is for you. If you like to build stuff, if you're a craftsman, if you like to design things, again, this is for you because it's all about the details that go into the tabernacle, and it's amazing. Uh, when you read the details, and, and uh, Brother F. Lagarde Smith in his, uh, the Daily Bible and some of his comments, he mentions that, how detailed it is. And his comment, I think, is very appropriate when he says, what's the lesson in that for us? As you're reading through all those details, and I got to admit, not a detailed guy here, but as you're reading through all those details, it's just amazing to think about. And what uh, Dr. Smith says is this, it's amazing that even the most minute details are significant for God. Uh, he sees them all. They all have a purpose and a plan uh, in his mission. And the Israelites were told uh, to be obedient to that plan and to build the tabernacle exactly like it was supposed to be built. Uh, the details matter to God. It's a good lesson for us to remember today. Uh, some people say the devil is in the details when they're building something or designing something, uh, trying to accomplish something, and granted that that can be true. Uh, but as the Israelites are hearing from God, they realize that he has a great plan for a wonderful structure that they can take down, set back up, and it will be portable. They can take it with them as they travel uh, in these wanderings. Ultimately, they will arrive in the promised land. Ultimately, David will become their king and will move uh, the capital to the city of David, the city of Jerusalem. And that's where David will build a palace. That's where Solomon will build a palace. That's where Solomon will build uh, the temple of God, which will be a permanent structure, quote unquote, um, to replace the tabernacle. Well, what about that tabernacle? Well, again, there was a lot of details. There's a lot of things about that. And, uh, but another lesson for us in this whole story, the readings about the tabernacle, is God's great provision. He provided everything that they needed to build that, all of the supplies and all of the craftsmen. He provided men who would be able to uh, uh, provide uh, craftsmanship so that they could build all those things that they needed to build, a basin, uh, for washing, an altar, uh, a, um, a, an, a box called the Ark of the Covenant. And on that box, there would be uh, just a big box, and it would be all overlaid with gold. 
and then on the very top was out of one structure, one solid piece of gold, you had the top, which would be called the mercy seat or the atonement cover, and on either side were angels whose wings were outstretched over that ark and the tips of their wings touched. And it was a massive, it was a, not a massive thing, really it wasn't that large, but it was a beautiful thing. Uh, and where is it now? We don't know. According to Indiana Jones, it's somewhere in Washington, D.C. in a warehouse with a tag attached to it. Uh, pretty sure that's not exactly where it is. I, we don't know where it is, but we do know some things about it. Again, that top uh, covering was called the mercy seat, the atonement cover, and right between those angels, uh, right on that atonement cover, that mercy seat, the box, the top of that box, the Ark of the Covenant, is where the Israelites felt that the presence of God actually dwelt in a very real way. Later on, as Solomon prays that great prayer, one of our wonderful Bible class teachers, Stan Clark, talked about this on, on this past Sunday, uh, right there, uh, Solomon, as he's praying in that wonderful prayer of uh, a dedication, acknowledges that God surely will not dwell in a, in a place that's built by, by men. There's no way the great creator God, and yet, um, yet because of his mercy and his grace, uh, he, he enabled the Israelites to have a place where they could focus on and point to and pray toward in order to be heard by the eternal God. Uh, what a great blessing we have today in tablets, not of stone, but on our hearts and a temple not made with the hands and craftsmanship of people, although that was magnificent, the tabernacle and even more so the temple, uh, but rather we have a body called the church uh, that has no boundaries, that has no physical structure to it, but is rather a, a community of people that are connected by the spiritual bond of the blood of Jesus Christ. What a great great blessing that is. God provides all the resources, all the tools, all the people, the, the skills needed. Uh, it, it's, if you're reading closely, you notice that over one ton of gold is used. One ton of gold is used in building that tabernacle. Uh, I think over four, almost four tons of silver. Uh, and so it was, um, it was an amazing structure that God used uh, to bless his people, to give them an opportunity to worship and to be obedient in him and faithful to him as they praised their God who had delivered them. Um, I want us to read for a moment, not from Exodus, but actually from 1 Corinthians 10. Because as you've read through this uh, reading and as we look ahead to Thursday, when we talk about those 10 commandments that Moses receives on the mount, when we talk about that golden calf that the people built and, and um, uh, prostrated themselves before, and as we uh, think about Nadab and Abihu, those priests uh, who disobeyed God and what happened there, uh, I want us to think about these wanderings and this journey to Sinai and the journey ahead and listen to these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In the time of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul looks back to these days, to some of these very stories that we've read, and reminds us that they're a great example for us uh, to live faithfully and obediently before God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea, the Red Sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. God led them by a pillar of cloud 
uh, by uh, day and a pillar of fire by night. And of course, they passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. Verse 3, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. They had that manna, they had that quail, they had water from a rock, and for the Apostle Paul, he says it was the presence of Christ that provided for them. But God was not pleased with, with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness, as we have already seen in our readings, and will continue to see. Verse 6, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry, a passage we've already read and that we'll speak about on Thursday. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. Oh, that'll be a great story when we get to that. And it's a story that Jesus himself alludes to in that great passage that includes John three sixteen, Verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 10, And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. The preacher in me wants to have that framed and put it up somewhere in the auditorium or in the lobby or foyer, but we won't do that. Um, it's thought, though. Verse 11, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come, talking about the church. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. What great words of warning that is. Just as the Israelites fell, even after the incredible things they saw, we too could fall away from God and his will. And then this great verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it's the last verse we'll read today. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. All of the things that happened to the Israelites that we're reading about right now during these 40 years of wanderings in the wilderness until they finally are able to cross the, the Jordan and enter the promised land under the leadership, not of Moses, but of Joshua. All those things the New Testament says happened for a reason. And as far as we're concerned, they happened so that we could see their example. Examples of obedience, as we see as they build the tabernacle over and over again, scripture, scripture says, and they did all that God commanded as they built that great, great place of worship. Uh, but also as examples of unfaithfulness. The stories we've read as Moses was on the mountain, uh, the stories that we'll discuss on Thursday of, of priests who, um, who were not uh, sincere and holy and pure in their uh, leadership of the Israelites and their worship. Uh, examples for us of the importance of obedience but also that word of encouragement that says, you can do this. You can. Why? Because God will not allow you to be tempted with more than you can bear. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, one of the first verses I ever memorized when I was in fifth grade. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to all humanities. Uh, God is not going to let Satan narrow it down to one person. Job could be a possible exception there. But even though we feel that way sometimes, the things that affect us are pretty general 
uh, and, and span all of humanity. Um, God is not willing. Uh, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to all humanity. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted with more than you can bear. We think that sometimes, um, but it's the truth. God will not allow us to be tempted with more than we can bear. But with each temptation, he will provide a way out, the way of escape, so that we may be able to bear it. We may be able to stand up under it. We may be able to remain faithful and obedient through it. What a great message of hope. What a great promise of God's presence, even in the midst of our temptation. God is there providing a way of escape, providing an opportunity for us to faithfully live in obedience to his will. As we'll see on Thursday, uh, the people of God don't always do that. I hope that you have a good couple of days. I'll see you right here on Thursday at 3 p.m.